What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. We get to consult people around the world via telehealth and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian and Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center, we have brand new telehealth patient options now open. And actually, as of today's episode, like really new ones. So lots of different ways we're there for people. One of our mottos is health for everybody at the clinic. Like we want to have different paths for different people and meet them where they're at. Anyways, so there's lots of options for, for how we can be there for you from Intel Health Center and lots of free resources there for you as well, like tons of free healthy stuff too. So it's all at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners, every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, we're giving away free healthy things. So we're giving away free signed books, supplements that we have at drwillcole.com, some of my favorite healthy things, telehealth consults for people. So all you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there and tell us what you love about the pod. And you can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you could take a screenshot of that review and message me on Instagram at drwillcole. And every single month, we'll be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves, randomly picking winners every single month, and then we'll reach out to you, we'll ask what you want, and we'll send it out to you, or we'll get you scheduled for it. All right, good luck. About every month, we have what we call Mental Health is Physical Health. These are those episodes where we get into granular, deep dive, clinical perspectives on very specific health issues that we see clinically. So it could be a different metabolic issue, or talking about longevity, or hormonal issues, or mental health issues, gut health problems, inflammation issues. So go back and listen to these episodes if you're into that sort of stuff, and you want to get tips to do on your own, or learn about what are some science-backed ways to elevate your health, or someone you love's health as well, and you can share these episodes with someone going through these issues. Today's episode is all about autoimmunity as a whole, 
what it means, what we've seen. This has been our one of our main focuses clinically over the past 13 years we've been in telehealth. So today's the day. Today's the day. And to help me out, every mental health is physical health episode, we have someone on the physical health of the telehealth center, our lead functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner of 13 years. She's been with me my entire career, Andrea. Hello. I love that I've been with you for 13 years. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Yes. Hello. Well, I didn't know if you were going to keep saying anything about the 13 years. No, her her, nickname on the show is Sugar Free Leonard. Can I have a new one? No, I like it. It's like a boxing. If you can name yourself whatever you want, and I, I I will accept it. Okay, we'll stick think with it one. since it brings you joy. Think, think, think of one. And then on the other side, we have Rosie the Regulated, <laughs> our lead mental health coach. Candace. And you're wearing red today. Hey, everybody. Yeah, is that Rosie the Regulated? Rosie? Yeah, it does. It She's just the feels... feelings of gut feelings. We have the gut and the feelings. Ooh. Andrea and Candace representing the duality within the telehealth center, how mental health impacts physical health and physical health impacts mental health. Were we your muses when you wrote gut feelings? (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's like the... The yin and the yang, is that how you yeah. say that? And we we should wear black and white every week. But we work, and the other thing about that analogy, Andrea and I work, I know you work so closely with so many yeah. of your staff members, but I do feel like I'm a part of your body. Yeah. I don't know if it's <laughs> getting really weird very quickly. What part would you very, be? What part would you be? Oh, gosh. Uh, my hands. Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah, no, I feel very connected. So when you say those counterparts, I don't, I think that describes our relationship. No, I love it. I, I, I want to do this every week. This is, we spend too much time together. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? It helps regulate and it helps us with our physical health because we're true. laughing. That's true, guys. Tone that vagus nerve, tone it and laugh Ooh. with us. It's funny, like people love learning about on the podcast. I'll yeah. quick diatribe. That is the people say, I love laughing on this podcast. Like we make, science and health and nutrition and labs fun and funny when, you know, we're talking about heavy stuff, but we can have a levity, I think, to important things and finding that balance. So thanks everybody for saying that about the podcast, because this is our sense of humor. Take it or leave it. Please take it. Yeah. (laughs) Or or leave it. (laughs) Or still listen and leave it, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, listen and leave it. (laughs) Either way, I think that we're going to switch to a a serious topic, but I still think we can have you know, some lightness around it because there is a lot of hope with autoimmunity. Yeah, well, and it's impacted us personally on our yes. in our own selves and it's impacted our family members. And of yes. course, it's impact. It's, we think about it every single day of our life doing what we do. So let's jump into it. Andrea's going to ask me questions. Candace, you can throw questions. Ooh, throw questions we, at me about We might do rapid conditions. fire. Yeah, oh, just, we just, might just, cha- change yeah, it up a bit go, here. Go for it. But I think before we jump into that, I think foundationally it's good to talk about what is autoimmunity? This is this hot button word. Everybody talks about it. We see it with our patients, but we have some people come in here and they're not diagnosable. We have some patients that come in here and we find things that they should have been told a long time ago. So walk us through what is autoimmunity? What does it mean? What types are there? Like, just give us a, your insight into how you view this. Okay, so let's break that word down. Autoimmune, self, auto, self, immune. It's when the immune system attacks itself. I want to open up today's conversation to not just people that are diagnosable. Yes, it's for you too if you're diagnosable, but there's a larger autoimmune inflammation spectrum, and I'll explain what that means. On one end, there's inflammation, silent inflammation or silent autoimmunity, meaning the person feels fine, but if you ran labs, you would see markers that were off. 
And then phase two is inflammation reactivity or autoimmune reactivity. It's when the person has symptoms, it's impacting their quality of life. They don't feel well, they know something's wrong, but they're gonna get different answers. Like they're gonna get autoimmune markers off on some labs, but it's not gonna check all the boxes or sometimes they're gonna not gonna see anything. They're gonna get different opinions from different specialists in the conventional model. Some will say, yes, it looks autoimmune. Some will say, yeah, I'm not sure. So you're not gonna check all the boxes. And then phase three is the autoimmune disease. You're checking all the conventional boxes, the criteria to be labeled, whether it be symptoms, labs, some sort of imaging study, whatever we're talking about. There's over a hundred different autoimmune conditions that science recognizes today as being overtly classified as an autoimmune condition. And then there's about 40 more that at least have an autoimmune component to it. And every few years you hear within the scientific like health medical community of different studies showing an autoimmune component to different health issues. So with time, sadly, there's going to be more and more diseases classified as autoimmune that are now not even classified as that because we're not understanding how these diseases are functioning. Like what are the mechanisms of action of what's happening from a dysfunction standpoint? So researchers estimate it's about four to 10 years prior to when somebody is diagnosed. Like up to a decade prior is when things were brewing on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum. They don't happen overnight for most people. Now, things can look like they happen overnight, like a flare-up happens, it seems like overnight, but there's some sort of continuum for the most part where there's some warning signs that the body's giving you. That's not always the case. Sometimes it is silent and then triggers, like a virus or some sort of trauma triggers it. But for a lot of people, it's this gradual check engine light body warning you that something's off. And no matter where you're at on that spectrum, whether you're looking to, you're in silent inflammation, you're just looking to optimize your health. You're interested in longevity and wanting to be healthy and, and being proactive and not reactive. Then this conversation's for you. But it's also for someone that's in inflammation reactivity. They're symptomatic. They're not getting answers. They're going through medical gaslighting and they're, they're, they know something's off here, but you're not getting any clear answers. This conversation's for you. All the way to phase three is when they are diagnosed, certainly. Let's move your health in the positive direction. Let's decrease the severity and frequency of these flare-ups. Let's get your body as healed as we can. So I really want to open up this conversation because I think sometimes that word autoimmunity is so ambiguous to the average person that I want people to know like what's at play here. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really important for your, everybody listening to know you don't have to be diagnosable to start getting help and start getting well. I think that's a lot big frustration that we see is that, you know, patients will come to us, they're symptomatic, but their doctors are left with, you know, sorry, there's no medication, there's no surgery for you. And We'll see you in six years or check in with us next year. On Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. It's founded on science and inspired by nature. All Bond Charge products adopt ancestral ways of living in our modern world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list is endless, guys. From blue light glasses to red light therapy to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern-day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. My favorite product, one that I would say that I recommend the most to our telehealth patients, they all are great, is their infrared sauna blanket. 
Their sauna blanket works by raising heart rate to that of physical exercise. So it burns calories while you relax. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session in your sauna blanket. The sweating helps to flush out heavy metals and other toxins. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also do not need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's so easy to set up. It's space efficient as well. A lot of our patients are in apartments. This is something that's practical for everybody. It heats up rapidly and you can enjoy a session for 30 to 40 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching television, or meditating, of course, which is what I would recommend. Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time. There's free shipping on every sauna blanket and there's no hidden costs. There's easy returns and exchanges and they give you a 30-day trial as well and a 12-month warranty. Go to bondcharge.com slash Will Cole and use coupon code Will Cole to save 15% off. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash Will Cole and use coupon code Will Cole to save 15% off. Hey, this is Sammy Clark. And this is Sammy Spalter. We are best friends, co-founders of our wellness platform, Form, and now hopefully your new favorite podcast host with our new podcast, Transform. We started Transform because we are constantly having all of these big life chats. So we thought it was time to bring the conversations to the mic for you to join in, knowing we can all relate to the forming the best version of ourselves. We will be chatting it up from everything from self-love, health and wellness, relationships, owning a business, and all of the other hills and valleys that is this big, beautiful life. Tune in every week, wherever you listen to your podcast. See you See soon. You soon. So I have a question. You said I could throw them out. I have a yeah. question for both of you. So what would you say to somebody if you were giving me advice and I'm in that position where I'm like, look, I went to the doctor, you know, my, my labs are normal, but I know something's wrong. I know these are the people that you're talking to, but would you, you know, would you say to me, well, find a, a regular practitioner that'll listen to you? Will you say, just start taking interventions? Like, what do you say to people that are in that space? So I, I would say, that's let's figure out let's let's get a functional medicine perspective diagnostically get a thorough health history get thorough labs context and i'll give you a functional medicine perspective yeah. on your health issue and maybe you don't check all the boxes that's a blessing you don't want to yes. wait till i mean look the, the statistics are staggering you have to have 70 to 90 percent for many autoimmune conditions of destruction of certain parts of your body to, for you to check all the boxes. For Addison's disease, for example, autoimmune adrenal disease, you have to have upwards of 90% destruction for you to check check all the boxes of your wow. adrenal glands. That's almost all of your adrenal glands destroyed for them to say, yeah, you have Addison's. And then that, that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Or MS, you have to have like multiple lesions in your nervous system before you're gonna show up on an on a imaging study and be labeled with MS. Like there's so many examples of that where it's so reactionary so reactionary and you're given a steroid or an immunosuppressant biologic and like that's your option and anybody on those medications will tell you it's no walk in the park and i'm not against those medications if you need them but that's not going to be the only tool within your toolbox it isn't for our patients when they're starting to reclaim their health they may still need to be on that medication indefinitely or for a time but it, they still have to reclaim their health. That's going to be one tool within the toolbox, not the entirety. So I would say 
get answers, get answers so we can start moving health in the, in the right direction. And look, diagnosis is, can be important because it gives you peace of mind, but it doesn't solve the problem. Right. And to be labeled with the diagnosis for many times just is a set of symptoms that we've agreed upon in science and medicine to say, this is what you are. Telling you what you are, like I think of chronic fatigue syndrome as a good example. Like, okay, labeled with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is associated with many autoimmune conditions. It's not considered an autoimmune condition. Yeah. Anybody that has chronic fatigue is going to say, oh yeah, I already know I'm chronically tired, but why? So, or multiple sclerosis. You're just saying, I have multiple lesions in my nervous system, my myelin sheath. Okay, but why and what can I do about it? So yes, labeling can be helpful, right? It helps to know what treatments can be effective, et cetera. But it's not gonna truly reclaim your health by in and of itself. So we, no matter where, if you're diagnosable or not, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Whether you're diagnosable or not, whether you're able to be labeled or not, what can you do to move your health in the positive direction? Yeah. And I think that that's perfectly said. And what I would tell a patient is, no, you don't have to be working with a primary care or an endocrinologist or a specialist or yes, you can. We'll work in conjunction with them every day. But if you feel like you're hitting a wall with them, you don't need them to come to us. And that's mm -hmm. the really good thing about functional medicine is that we will take that step back and not just say, here's your diagnosis, but why? And I think that's a great follow-up question for you, Will, is one of the things that I think patients struggle with is exactly this, that I have lesions, but why? I have thyroid antibodies, but why? Because your body didn't just decide to start attacking itself. So what are the reasons that we see? Well, like, what are causes for autoimmunity in the first place? Like, yeah. are there things that you see that are the, you know, general public should be mindful of? Yeah. Well, I think it looped in this question embedded within this question and answer is like, what are the most common autoimmune conditions, right? The most common autoimmune condition that is also one of the first, if not the first autoimmune condition to be discovered is Hashimoto's disease, which you mentioned. Autoimmune thyroiditis, it was named by the guy who discovered it. Doctors Hashimoto's, like to name weird things after themselves. scientists, researchers. So Hashimoto's, Addison's, Sjogren's, these are like uh, different names, right? So different people's names, right? So the most common autoimmune conditions, I'm going to rattle out, they're all kind of in the top list, but Hashimoto's, lupus impacts connective tissue, Sjogren's, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis or AS, people who can have sclerosis, people can have also have colitis, Crohn's, Did I mentioned MS, I mentioned that. What about Did some of the skin ones? I see, yeah. I see a lot of questions about psoriasis. people saying like, is this really autoimmune? Yeah, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis. Those are a lot of the alopecia areata. Vitiligo. Vitiligo. These are the most ones that we see, right? So you, you'd be really good at Scrabble is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a formidable opponent. I would be, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm lightning here, but yeah, yeah no, those yeah. are what we see. Yeah, so those are the most common ones that we see. And your, your question was, why? Why is this happening? So, okay. I mean, most people are like, well, why did my thyroid, why do I have thyroid antibodies? Yeah. And you, mm -hmm. we know the basic answer is because your body's producing antibodies against it because it is mistakenly attacking it. Yeah. But what triggered that? Yeah. That, so it's the, the seminal event, the mechanism of action is molecular mimicry. When the immune system's lost recognition of self, 
which we can talk about the emotional mental component of that um, on this episode. But uh, on a physiological level, the immune system's tagging there's certain tissues with flags for destruction, basically. Antibodies are not inherently bad. We want trace levels of antibodies to clean up tissue, right? It's sort of the cleaning mechanism of the immune system, but you don't want overabundance of flags for destruction because that can over prune, destroy certain parts of the body, whether it's the thyroid with Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, which I should have mentioned Graves' disease as well, that's hyper autoimmune hyperactive thyroid, um, to the myelin sheath with MS, the gut with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's. This is, the, the, but the commonality is molecular mimicry and the case of mistaken identity. So your question is, oh, and, and that's what a doctor would say to you. A conventional doctor would say, that is what's going on. That's what we're measuring in labs. Yes, that is what we're measuring in labs. But why? That's the question. So, I mean, look, this is part why it's perfect for these episodes, mental health and physical health. It is a bit of both. And we have to look at both sides of that coin. The physiological stuff are things that we can quantify on labs. Underlying gut problems. We know leaky gut syndrome or increased intestinal permeability is associated with pretty much every autoimmune condition. Bacterial imbalances, yeast and fungal overgrowth. These are associated with autoimmune conditions. These are at least... an if, if nothing else, they're an exacerbator. If nothing else, they're a trigger or some sort of aggravator of it. But some researchers, like Alessio Fasano, says leaky gut syndrome is a precondition for autoimmunity, meaning you have to have it. And I would say that's pretty true. I mean, on diagnostics, it's pretty much everybody that we can measure these things on lab. So it's not some sort of fringe hypothesis where the doctor's saying, this is what you have and they're muscle testing. Not that I'm against someone saying that works, but it's like, I don't, that's not what we do in functional medicine. I want to look at data and you can measure zonulin, which is the protein that governs gut lining permeability, which impacts intestinal like a loss of intestinal integrity on labs. You can measure lipopolysaccharides. These are bacterial endotoxins. You can measure these things. So looking at the gut, because it's 75% of the immune system. So to understand autoimmunity, you have to look at where the predominance of the immune system resides, which is in the gut, which is in the gastrointestinal system. So these are some physiological components, gut health, looking at environmental toxins. We know that glyphosate, which is the main ingredient used in Roundup, the herbicide, it's found in trace amounts in pretty much every human body living in the West today. And we can measure this on labs. And some people, we can talk about the epigenetics and genetics of this, but epigenetics are about two thirds, the predominance for most people of the puzzle. So looking at gut health, looking at environmental toxins, not just glyphosate, but heavy metals, other plastics, other environmental toxins that are only in our environment for the past couple generations. And that's why we're seeing this explosion, this confluence of factors. It's not just one thing. And anybody that says it's just one thing, if everybody says it's just Epstein-Barr virus, which is said sometimes, wow. we won't say who, but it's not just that. That's a reductive, no. oversimplistic view. It's all of these things. And, and then for some people, it's going to be some of these. For some people, it's that. It's a complex mixture of variables, but we have to look at them. We have to look at the variables. And that's where health history, labs, context, clinical experience can come in and, fill it and figure out what the pieces to your puzzle are. So it's not, to answer your question, it's dependent, it's bio-individual, but these are the areas we need to look at. And the feeling side, the mental health side, we have to look at unresolved trauma. Yes, absolutely. We have to look at emotional stress. We have to look at their like emotional wellness in their life on a circumstantial, both in the present and in the past, on what's living in their body from a 
energetic standpoint that needs to be dealt with. So we have to deal with both the mental health and the physical health, the gut and the feelings to truly reclaim somebody's life with autoimmune condition, no matter what it is. Don't just drink whatever, drink better. With Hum, you can enjoy a low sugar kombucha, a zero sugar kombucha, the first Whole30 approved kombucha, or a probiotic seltzer and soda. Hum is a brand that I have loved for years. I drink it all the time. Hum beverages are packed with 2 billion live probiotics to support a healthy immune system and optimal gut health. Plus, it's loaded with vitamin B12 to give a great boost of energy. Hum beverages are absurdly tasty. They have amazing flavors. These are flavor forward, easy to drink, and come in a variety of flavors for you to try. If you're looking for a delicious dry January drink, Hum has got you covered with a variety of zero to low sugar kombuchas and tasty probiotic seltzers and sodas to choose from. Hum will start your new year off with a bang. I recommend getting their variety packs. You can try all these absurdly tasty flavors like peach, Blood orange, the raspberry lemonade is so delicious, and the blueberry mint. I love that one as well. Visit humgabucha.com and use code Dr. Will Cole, that's D R W I L L C O L E, all one word, for 15% off your total order. Again, that's H U M M K O M B U C H A.com and use code Dr. Will Cole, humgabucha.com for 15% off your total order. You can also find Hum on Amazon for free shipping with Amazon Prime and delivery to anywhere in the United States. It's that time of year when people want to know, like, what are some ways they can do things that love them back as far as food or mindfulness or fitness? I love it. It gets people motivated. But even if this is the middle of the year, like my take on this is like, Let's start now, no matter what time of the year. Don't wait for a new year. If it's a new year, then great, fantastic. But if you're waiting for the right time, it's right now, no matter when now is. And a brand that I love that I eat year round is Sweetgreen. Sweetgreen has high quality food made from scratch that makes it easy for all of us and makes you feel so good. I love going to Sweet Greens to get an amazing salad, which is perfect for anything you're looking to doing in January to get the year starting right. But I have to tell you, I always thought Sweet Greens was a salad only place, but they just launched these new protein plates, which is actually perfect, full of protein. Look, people are not getting enough protein. They make it so easy at Sweet Green. They have amazing protein plates like the miso glazed salmon, the Southwest chicken fajita, and the hot honey chicken protein plate as well. I tried them all. My favorite is probably the hot honey chicken protein plate. I love that. But honestly, the Southwest chicken fajita is great. They're all fantastic. They have so many to choose from. So go for like a week and, and try a new protein plate each day and see which one is your favorite. Protein plates like the herb roasted chicken has amazing flavor and it's packed with so much good quality protein. The taste is amazing, and it's so filling as well. This is a great way to get protein, get your vegetables in, and they're cooked with no seed oils, only extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil, which is really important for our telehealth patients and for you. What's super cool is that every Sweet Green location works with local farmers and local suppliers, which means they are supporting our community. Use promo code COLE5 for $5 off for all new users. Try the all new protein plates at your local Sweet Green or in the Sweet Green app. 
not to belabor the point of the Epstein-Barr virus, but what what's the clinical study? Like something like 95% of the U.S. Yeah, is estimated it, to have some sort of viral component in the CMV, EBV, HHV family, correct? Well, yeah, antibodies don't mean active infection. Yes. So you want your body to create antibodies to things you've been exposed to. So I used, we see a lot of people, new patients come in with past labs and they'll see antibodies to Epstein-Barr virus and they'll say, well, I, have I, have Ep- I have Epstein-Barr virus. Well, it doesn't, no, just because you have antibodies, the majority of people have had exposure to viruses within the herpes family, like Epstein-Barr virus. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's an active infection. It is an issue for some people. It does trigger autoimmune conditions in some people. And we have a whole episode devoted to Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah, that's what I wanted to circle back. So go back and listen to that episode. We can put it in the show notes. It's a past mental health, it's physical health. So it's an issue and viral issues need to be dealt with, but it's not the only thing. So it's an issue for some people, but not others. And just because your antibodies doesn't mean it's a reactivated or active infection. Exactly. So context matters. 100%. And I think along those lines, I think it's important to talk about what labs do we run? You mentioned some of them when you were talking about exposures and different, you know, environmental factors and things like that. But what are the labs that we run outside of your standard, you know, Western medicine diagnosis that help people get the answers that they're looking for? Are there like a couple that you can think off the top of your head that you would say, I definitely want to run these? Yeah. Well, we utilize any conventional lab. Like we're, we're using all the conventional labs and running them on patients or their prescribing doctor, because we're in telehealth, their local doctors running imaging studies and labs, and we're looking at that data too. So it's a combination of data that we run in their, their conventional doctor run, and we're working in conjunction with them to support their health. Um, but some non-conventional labs that we would run that are still very evidence-based and utilized within the functional medicine space, the Cleveland Clinic's Functional Medicine Center. I mean, we're all trained through what's called the Institute for Functional Medicine or IFM. So that's who has trained us, our team, and our model of care as far as our approach to these issues. And a Cyrex lab is a great resource to look at I would say autoimmunity and inflammation issues from a different perspective. So they have what's called a multiple autoimmune reactivity that looks at different tissue. Some people need that lab to us to differentiate what's going on there and giving them answers. There's neurological autoimmune screenings too that can look at nervous system, the attack of the immune system. So the attack of the immune system on the nervous system, I mean. So yeah, those are some labs specific to an autoimmune condition. And then what's driving it are the other labs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Are there any specific inflammation markers that you suggest for people so that are, you mentioned silent inflammation, you mentioned like the reactivity, but not diagnosable. Are there any things that you can think of there? Yeah. Immune labs. Remember inflammation is a product of the immune system. So, I mean, the obvious ones that you would say would be high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which someone that has rheumatoid arthritis, somebody that's in a flare up, even ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, those people you'll see predominantly higher HSCRP during a flare up. Homocysteine is another one that you'll see higher in many autoimmune conditions. For sure, Hashimoto's, you'll see higher and statistically higher percentage. And lots of other autoimmune conditions, you'll catch that. That higher homocysteine above seven, we want it below seven. It's even subtly higher homocysteine levels is associated with an increase of TNF, like uh, basically increased blood-brain barrier permeability. It's associated with leaky brain syndrome. So we want to make sure that that homocysteine is down 
and ferritin, an inflammatory marker. It's a biomarker of stored iron, which we have to look at iron, like nutrient deficiencies with autoimmunity, but ferritin can be spiked in a flare-up. You'll see it elevated. But I'll say this, HSCRP, C-reactive protein, is not always high in other than the people I just mentioned, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, maybe psoriatic arthritis. And people are surprised by that because then they reduce inflammation to just that HSCRP. And they say, well, my inflammation's never been high, even though they know their body's inflamed. So, okay, HSCRP is just one inflammatory protein. You can't just like reduce complexities of inflammation cascades to just HSCRP. So it is a surrogate lab for different interleukins. We need to run it, but it's not the full breadth and dynamic nature of how inflammation is being modulated in the body. So I would say markers like TGF-beta-1, C4A, C3A, CD57, these are markers that you can see up and down as far as a dysregulation of an immune system response or dysregulated inflammation, which is what these acute and chronic inflammatory pathways look like. You're going to see a lot more, I would say, statistically off from those markers. Now, just because you have those markers off does not mean you have an autoimmune condition. You, you need to fit all the conventional criteria, which we've already established, may or may, you may or may not check all those boxes. But no matter where you're at, we want to look at what's causing the symptoms or the poor health or the lack of longevity in the first place. And these things can be caught well before you're ever diagnosable. But certainly if you're diagnosable, you're going to be more likely to have more of these boxes being checked. So... I hope that's clear. Those are some markers that we look at. No, I love that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like these things that patients go, aha, it's not just my CRP. I knew I had inflammation. Yeah. Cal- a calprotectin, People, yeah. a, a lactoferrin in the, in the gut is another one we want to look at too. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now that we have a better understanding of general autoimmunity, different labs that we look at, what can people do? Are there specific supplements or therapies? What, what I know we know it's bio-individual. I know that these mm-hmm. patients need to figure out why this is happening in the first place. But what are some things that you have seen really support patients who are maybe going through this on their own right now? Well, if you haven't cleaned up, like we have to start with food. It's not just about food, but food is like a it's going to be a piece of the puzzle for most people. So we have to look at what's called the what I call the inflammatory core four plus one, which doesn't have a rhyming name for it. So it's going to be gluten-containing grains. Number two would be industrial seed oils, like canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil. And I have a context around that too. Is it just over the consumption of it? Or, you know, I don't want to make blanket statements. Number three would be conventional dairy. And four would be added sugar. So does it mean all those things are inherently bad? No. There are better versions to everything I just mentioned. Like there's going to be fermented grains, fermented gluten-containing grains, like sourdough. Some people with autoimmunity do fine with that. Industrial seed oils, some packaged foods that have these seed oils in moderation because you're eating so many other good foods that love you back, like long chain omega fatty acids, monounsaturated fats, and you're having some seed oils. Yeah, your body can handle it maybe. And maybe the ratios of these polyunsaturated fatty acids, it's not the end of the world. So I don't want to make like hyperbolic statements about these things, but we have to look at them. And it's at least implication to some degree of these issues. And number three, the sugar, like, or the dairy, there are fermented dairies, yogurts and kefirs and cheeses and grass-fed and A2 versions of these things that people do fine with. Some people don't. And then four, it's going to be sugar. There could be better versions of sugar. 
And sugar is not all inherently bad. If they're in whole food forms, that's why I said added sugar. But even like things like honey, like Manuka honey could be really therapeutic from a gut microbiome standpoint. So you don't want to make any two like broad sweeping statements without looking at the full like context of what I'm trying to say. It's bio-individuality. For some people, the food buck, the food piece of the puzzle is going to be a big piece and they have to look at that, but it's not going to be the only piece. And that's why it starts with food, but it doesn't end with food. And we have to look at all of these variables to consider. But if they haven't started there, start there. And then like we can get specific on supplements, but it's based on what that person needs. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking at more bang for your buck, going to your gut, because it's such a central role, it's going to be the most applicable for most people. Um, so statistically, if, if, if you don't have labs and a functional medicine doctor, which we can run all these labs for you, but- if you don't have it, then I think focusing on gut health is going to be the most like statistically advantageous for you for most people. Yeah. And from the mental health standpoint too, that's the, you know, focusing on nourishing that your gut is that, that primary pathway between the brain, right? So nourishing that, but just focusing on nourishing your body in that way is going to help improve the mental health component to this too. And then you get more traction to go deeper and deeper. I think for a lot of people, just getting that first foothold on that you know, cliff that they're climbing up yeah. is so important. So right. it gets their head above water and they yeah. get encouraged because they, oh, I feel better. And they, when you feel better, you want to keep doing things that love you back. Well, and it's, and when we say feel better, it's actual mental clarity. It's yeah. not just a, oh, I just feel better. It's yeah. a real cognitive clarity that you don't have without that step. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And I think that was what I was even going to segue into is like, yes, we have to talk about food. Yes, there are specific supplements and being gut focused. There's a million things we can do that's individualized, but the mental health component is also there. I mean, you can take a very stressed out person who was relatively healthy, put them under a lot of duress very quickly and they can get sick. And this can be that trigger for that mm-hmm. autoimmunity too. Yeah. And we'd be remiss before we talk about the mental health to not mention that we have an entire program, group program devoted Mm. to this for this reason. Yeah. That layers all of these things in. We launched this years ago. It's going on four years. Yeah. And it was so, we launched it literally at the beginning of the pandemic, which, you know, we've been in telehealth for 13 years. So it's like, to us was like, not, there was no pivot during 2020 and beyond. We've always been doing what we're doing, but we did launch just a crazy time because the world was an upheaval, yeah. Um, but we were hunkered down doing telehealth, and nothing shifted for us. So it was a weird experience for us. Anyway, so we launched this. What I would I classify? I don't know if you guys would disagree with me, but I consider it like a hybrid model because for 13 years we've done concierge, one-on-one, like private telehealth sessions, and that's still what we do. And that's where we do labs, and we kind of talk about private things that you would only talk about with you and your healthcare professional. But with the autoimmune health reset, which is what Andrea is talking about we are able to have a hybrid where we have group sessions with me and the team. They have weekly group calls with me where we, ha- and they're still intimate calls. I don't want to say it's not like a, a legion of people. We, cause we have so many calls. We haven't calls. reached stadium level yet. It's not <laughs> yeah, a stadium right. of This is not the Yankee stadium or Dodger stadium of people, but it's a good group of people, but it's still intimate enough to have your questions answered and like have interactions with me and like get individual attention. from me to you. But you also have your one-on-one coach, which we still have a small team. So it's still a lot of personalization and the team and I are meeting throughout the week (laughs) within meetings and we're talking about your case. So it is, but it's a hybrid. It's enabling us to democratize functional medicine more make functional medicine more accessible, more affordable, but 
even beyond that level of things, like the economic side of it, it is the community. Yes. Which is intentional because that's healing in and of itself because going through these issues can be isolating. And your fans, friends and family, as lovely as they may be, it, they don't understand what it takes just to get through the day when you're struggling with these autoimmune problems or inflammation problems somewhere on the autoimmune inflammation continuum. So it's so healing and beautiful to see. And like, Candice, you were in Denver yes. a couple a while ago, not too long ago, and you were with telehealth patients in IRL, like in real life. Yeah. And you become like this, and they were in the group model. I mean, they yeah. you become like family, family to us. And yeah. Let's face it. Life can be stressful. It can be overwhelming, and it's not just your mind that suffers when you're feeling tense and anxious. Stress can also make a mess of your digestion and your immune system as well. But here's the thing. Your life doesn't have to be a constant downpour. Introducing Just Calm, the breakthrough new stress-soothing formula from Just Thrive. Say goodbye to frazzled nerves and hello to a steady, serene, more relaxed you. Just Calm's proprietary Mood Lifting Blend is clinically proven to help you relax and breathe a little easier in as little as four weeks. And for next level mood TLC, I love my Just Thrive Probiotic. The Just Thrive Probiotic is a spore probiotic that banishes bloat and constipation so your gut can produce more serotonin, your happy neurotransmitter that works upon Jerry motility and that vagus nerve, which is the largest cranial nerve in the body that's responsible for our nervous system regulation. So this combination supports better sleep as well, so you can wake up feeling refreshed and revitalized. With Just Calm and the Just Thrive Probiotic, you have the ultimate stress-fighting duo to help you win the day every single day. Right now, when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use promo code Dr. Will, you can get 20% off a 90-day bottle of the Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm. That's like getting a month completely for free. And a portion of every purchase goes to Vitamin Angels, which is a nonprofit organization that saves the lives of millions of children and moms-to-be around the world by ensuring they get the vitamins and minerals they need to stay healthy and strong. To learn more about this groundbreaking company, don't miss my episode. I had Tina Anderson on. So just go to wherever you listen to this podcast right now. Just type in Tina Anderson, Dr. Will Cole, get the episode, or you can go to drwillcole.com to the podcast and search there as well. Take control today with Just Thrive. I am encouraging all of you, listeners of The Art of Being Well, <laughs> try a dry January. And if this is not January that you're listening to us, like take a month without alcohol and see how you feel at least 30 days, if not more. And it's not about deprivation. It's about like, what can you bring in your life? Like delicious, enjoyable, calming, social drinks that love you back and you don't feel like crap the next day. Something that I have drank for a long time in this category that I recommend to telehealth patients as well, it's called hop water. Hop water is a consciously crafted sparkling hop water that blends bold hops with adaptogens and neurotropics for added mood-boosting benefits. These drinks come in amazing flavors like blood orange, mango, lime. They have the classic as well. Hop water, that's H-O-P-W-T-R. It has a positive refreshment in a can. It has bold flavor, all-day drinkability, and won't bust up your diet. I actually have mine 
when I'm in between consulting patients online or at lunch, you have any time of the day. It's purposefully crafted without calories, without carbs, without sugar. Each can is bursting with a crisp, citrusy, piney taste. It's made from an exclusive brewer-approved blend of hops. Celebrate the new year with hop water. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Right now, I have a special offer just for my listeners. 20% off your first purchase. Plus, you'll get free shipping when you order 24 cans or more. So you have to go to hopwater.com slash willcole. That's H-O-P-W-T-R dot com slash willcole. Don't wait. This offer doesn't last long. So you have to go to hopwater.com slash willcole. Let's segue to that. Like what's the the feeling side of gut feelings and what are we doing for these people? I mean, well, in the, in the group care model specifically, we're able to really reach people because of the amount of touch points that we have with them. So we're able to take the wide variety of resources and personalize them too. So everybody's sort of doing their own path, depending on at what point they need that intervention, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you start changing one particular piece of your health puzzle, it gives you that leverage to then shift things. For some people, it's something like uh, DNRS, right? Mm-hmm. Us, for other people, it's they bring in something like I'm actually wearing it right now, the Apollo Neuro. Yeah. Because that's a great device that's just regulating. So it's different for every person. And we'll put the link in the show notes for the Apollo Neuro and Our, these vagal nerve toning. Oh my goodness. The patients are loving this this foothold. Yeah. I'll call it a foothold. And I'll, I will shout out to Pittsburgh. It came from a researcher at the University of Pittsburgh. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. And they want Love it. Yeah, they want to come on the podcast. We should get them on the podcast. I mean, the I mean, he could just drive it down well, here. Well, and you know, and I know, and the patients, all of our group care patients, they're sharing it. So I think, you know, whenever we were just around Black Friday, I think there was a huge upswing of, of patients <laughs> yeah. grabbing this. You're welcome, Apollo Nero. Yeah, but what, you know, yoga nidra practices. And then, you know, when we realize there's like other things that we need to layer in as far as labs, then we do that too. But, you know, from the mental health component side, like you were talking about, well, what are the early indications that I might need help, you know? And so for me, I want to share a little bit about that because even when you have autoimmunity, your body makes sense. So these symptoms that you're getting from your body attacking itself or not recognizing itself from that first point, it's, it's signals. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's like your body is doing something to say you need to intervene. So yeah. what are those mental health components? I'm going to just wanted to share a few. If you're someone that has racing thoughts or thought intrusions, you know, something just keeps popping into your head over and over again. You're noticing a pattern of this. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just that is your system saying I'm dysregulated. Physical symptoms, you know, your autonomic nervous system controls heart rate, digestion. I mean, basically anything that you're, mm-hmm. you don't have to think about your body doing yeah. and it does for you, that's your autonomic nervous system. Right. So digestive issues can be manifested. For me, a big one is clenched fists. My body is physically manifesting that it is the state that it's in. Increased heart rate, shallow breathing, sleep disturbances. But another one that I just want to touch on, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, for me, when I talk to someone and they have a pattern of how their life is playing out, boy, is this a signal that you've got some dysregulation that you, you if you will address it, if you will look at your nervous system and give it the love it needs, you're going to start making huge strides. So what, what do I mean when I say this pattern? 
for me, if every situation you encounter in life, you're getting the same result or it mirrors, like I never win or everything has to be hard, or of course this is an eight step process. Or when you are noticing that every interaction you're having from the grocery store all the way to your, you know, online checkout experiences, to the doctor's office, to your interaction with your family, if you're noticing it's the same everywhere, chances are you've, you're living out an embedded nervous system pattern Mm. that it's not number one, it's not your fault. Number two, so it's, there's no blame here. Number two, it was laid down for good reason. Just like your body's responding when you have autoimmune you know, reactivity, yeah. nervous system responses are just your body saying, hey, we're doing it right. We're just mm-hmm. alerting you, take action. So would you add anything to that from your no, side? No, that's so good. I mean, I, mean I, I mentioned this in Gut Feelings is like I think of the researchers saying the immune system's lost recognition of self. That's what molecular mimicry is. But then you think of what exactly what you just said what's happening on a mental, emotional level, yes. spiritual level even, and ha- like as above, so below. Yep. And for some people, it's a bit of both. Like when you feel like miserable, that's going to create r- horrible, like negative thought cycles too, because you feel like your body's turned against itself. Of course. So one chicken or the egg, I get it. It's going to be a bit of both, but yeah. But Whenever- you have power to get yeah. in there because listen, it's, it, it's really is not a pleasant experience to have your body be in this state yeah. and no one's discounting that. But the reality is your body's telling you it's time for a change. You still have to implement that change. What state are you going to propagate as you're doing it? And I know that I say this with full respect. I know this isn't always easy, Mm -hmm. but we do have power in that little sliver of I feel like complete garbage to I'm on my way to making these changes and that it's going to work. Yeah. And it's absolutely. And healing is nonlinear for both the gut and the feelings and mental health and physical health. But I will say it's a lot more, I don't know, in my mind, more prescriptive on the, on the funk, on the um, physiological side. Yes. It's a lot more nebulous to say like, okay, don't have that trauma. Like don't have it. That causes inflammation. Don't have it. It's like, no, it's not a food. It's going to be, it's a food, but it's, it's it's a proverbial food, but it's within your nervous system that you need to clear out. It's different. So -hmm. you need to show yourself grace to this and just stay consistent. The first mental health is physical health. I, I think of the Aramaic which is awakening a below impacting the above and the above impacting the below. And that is what we see play out on labs all the time. Yep. And you can reclaim your health. Well, and in group programming, you know, because we in the group program for this model, we have people for four months and then they get to hang out with us in perpetuity in our graduate group where yeah. it's a graduate support program. So over the four years that we've been doing this, I've had the beautiful opportunity to see different times that people have decided to bring in the mental health aspect, or I'm just going to say the the nervous system regulation part, addressing nervous system hygiene, because regulation, you know, we're going to be in different states of regulation and that's healthy. Our body should have different resiliencies, but Mm -hmm. just that taking care of your nervous system, being aware of it. Some people decide to bring it in right away. Some people get an anchor with some other things and they bring it. We recommend you can bring it in as soon as you possibly can. But just being like you're saying, the grace and the humanness and the art of being well in this is that not everyone brings in those interventions at the same time. But when they do, over and over again, what we hear is, I didn't realize that this nervous system hygiene stuff was going to have the impact that it has. They thought it was just bone broth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not just bone broth. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, you know, so what are the basics, you know, making sure you're, you're in a state of where you're nourishing your body. Number one, it it almost ties in, you're nourishing your body with who you're, 
who you're spending time with, what activities you're giving your time to. Sometimes the biggest thing you can do to nourish your body is not to say, no, I have to cut this stress out, but say no to things in your life. That can be hard to do, but Mm -hmm. listen, so can some of the other changes, you know, Mm -hmm. bringing your, you know, packing your food to go to different places, it becomes routine. It's not always the easiest thing at first. Mm -mm. Not, it's the same with, with learning and looking at your lifestyle and say, what are my lifestyle things that I'm doing over and over again that are bringing me essentially inflammation, stress? What's not loving me back? Yeah, it's what's out of alignment where, with what I need to be doing in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. let I said in gut feelings, let no be your multivitamin well, <laughs> and say it often. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, and the, we just did a gut feelings book club yeah. and what the, the resounding over, I think the four or six weeks that we did this, every time we met, all of the patients were like, normal is not what we're going to do. Like we're over being normal. Normal is, you know, Absolutely, the the last thing, but it it applies to all of these things, and I think it's mm-hmm. such a huge mess, a freeing message in gut feelings because they're so excited to be like, I'm never living my life this way again. I want this freedom. I want this anti dogma, mm-hmm. you know, credo of you can't heal a body you hate. That you yeah. really like. If you hear Doctor Cole say that message over and over again, I feel like gut gut feelings is the yeah. And I, you know, with that, I think it's really important because we say you can't heal a body you hate. A lot of patients, everybody immediately sometimes thinks weight or like, I don't like the way I look, Look, but that's not true. You cannot, you can be resentful of your body just because it's not working the way that you want it to. You can be resentful of the body because you're doing so much and it's not responding the way that you want it to. Digestion is one that we see a lot. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even eat anything. It's like I'm bloated over everything. It's like- There's this low level with almost all of our patients that don't even realize they are, maybe hate is a strong word for some of them, but they can be resentful. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you can't heal a body you resent sometimes. Yeah. And so this is, or you can't heal a body of background, like resistance towards, it's like a or poor relationship abandoned. with yeah, someone. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, it's just yeah, like any relationship forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Or mentally detached from you, yeah. the, the body that, that you're, you're ignoring. Now, yeah. That, yeah. 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 Have you disassociated from your own self and what your, what your body yeah. is capable Have of? Have you lost recognition of well, self? That's what molecular mimicry yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And that's coming into, into community. I mean, we know community does so much for our yeah. our mental, our nervous system. It's a reflection system. of, to, like a collective reflection the, of the collective healing. The group program model, I think, really gives people a, a gentle way in yeah. to whatever you want to call See themselves in other people and yep. they can see, it's like this weird synergistic, by weird, I mean beautiful, but it's just like inexplicable, it's <laughs> it, ineffable. It's not, yes. it, it's not like validation necessarily, oh, I'm, I'm sick, but it's almost like I'm not alone. Yeah. yeah. Like it's Which not- is healing and cathartic. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. some of these people, even though we know autoimmunity, especially within families, become, we can see that. But a lot of our patients feel like no one gets me. No one understands. I'm alone. This is hard. And then you start to separate from yourself. And then yeah. it's almost like this recognition of other people coming back to themselves and in different phases of their healing, mm-hmm. you almost see what you're capable of. It, yeah. It's not this intangible... I can get there. You're seeing people who are doing it in real time with you. Yeah. Yeah. At different stages of the journey. Yes. This is great. Anything else we want to share before we go? No, I think we've probably given a lot of people a lot of stuff to mull over. Yeah. Mull it over people. (laughs) Ruminate. Yes. And join us. So yeah, if you want to learn more about all the different types of care, you can go to drwillcole.com, go over to the consultation, become a patient page. But 
Autoimmune Health Reset has its own URL. Want to give it, Candice? Yeah, it's autoimmunehealthreset.com. Autoimmunehealthreset.com. There's a webinar that I filmed for you all. Get a kind of insight on what we do. So yeah, go to autoimmunehealthreset.com or drwillcole.com to learn more about the things we're talking about. And before we go, I want you to hear a special conversation that I just had with one of our telehealth patients. You can hear it from them personally. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Great to see you, Dr. Cole. Thanks for having me. As I said to you before we started recording, the team is just raves about every time someone has a visit with you, everybody on the team here loves talking to you so much. Can you take us back to when you first met us, what you were going through? Let's start there and and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. I'm coming up on a year as a patient. So it was back in October of 2022. My father had just passed away. Uh, He's 72 years old when he died. He suffered with dementia for probably five or six years. And the last six months, Dr. Cole, were just awful. It was a terrible end. You know, people I think like to be polite and say, oh, he passed peacefully and painlessly. He didn't. It was, he really suffered in the end. And I think that was my rock bottom. I'd suffered with weight my whole life and my whole adult life anyway. My father and my mother also suffered with obesity and just controlling food and alcohol and different things. And I was turning 40, I had just turned 49. And I said to myself, this is it. I, I looked at my father and what he had gone through as a bit of a crystal ball. And I saw that he was only 24, 25 years older than me. And I saw my future ahead of me. And I, I really believe that there's a connection between what you eat and what you put in your mouth and what happens to your brain. And I think my father's food choices over many, many years and, and the bad ones that he made really caused his dementia and caused uh, you know a, a premature ending for him. So that's that was the the kick in the pants that I really needed to to take control. And at the same time, my girlfriend Allie had been reading your book. She's a big fan of Gwyneth Paltrow, and she found you through Gwyneth. And she had been talking a lot about you and about your program and about your podcast and maybe trying a functional medicine approach to my own challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, putting that all together, it was time for me to make some real changes. And that's when I reached out and became a patient. Amazing. So let's talk about that visit that you had with a di- your diagnostic visit, your lab visit, whatever, obviously anything you want to share, or don't share. But I just am yeah. always curious in hindsight, so we go over a lot of information and I think your diagnostic visit was with Andrea, correct me if it I'm was. wrong. Yeah. Yeah who's been with me for 13 plus years. She's on the mm-hmm. podcast, as people know, on the mental health is physical health episodes. So she knows this stuff inside and out. And we meet her and I, the team and I meet before we go over the diagnostics and I kind of give my thoughts on, on the data. But kind of what was your thought as you went through that lab visit and learned about your health? I, I, think, I think one of the most important things about the program in general is the amount of data that that we get. And I was so excited just to have that 15 page lab report. I mean, I had 21 vials of blood drawn in order to, to get to that point and get that data. Um, I think what I was most surprised by was how I, I was healthier than I thought I would be. You know, after years of bad food and alcohol consumption and excessive amounts of just everything, I was happy that I wasn't, you know, on the brink of some terrible disease. I had elevated liver numbers. I had a leaky gut. There were some mold issues for sure, which were still working out together. But there wasn't anything where it's like, oh my God, go to the ER right now. You need further testing. You're dying. And I, I, I first felt this relief because I thought that with everything going on in my life, and when my father died, I hit 260 pounds, which was 
the most I ever weighed in my adult life. And that was also a big wake up call for me. So what I was most encouraged by with the data was Andrea really made me feel like everything was totally correctable and fixable with just diet, the right diet, the right exercise, identifying the foods that cause inflammation in my body, everything that really ensued as we went on the program together. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of relief, but also a lot of optimism, you know, and I think I approached the program with the team from day one with this, with this level of optimism that everything that's going on, everything that I've done to my body over the last 30 years of my adult life, Mm -hmm. we can fix together. Mm -hmm. And I had to just learn how to do it. Yeah. So not to stereotype, I mean, but us guys, like we tend to, we have a a reputation of putting our health on the back burner, but really I can Mm -hmm. open this up to really anybody. I mean, people live busy lives and we tend to procrastinate and either put career or other people ahead of us. And, you know, it's like that cliche of the, you know, the, the, on the plane, you have to put the air on yourself before you help somebody else. You can only give what you have. Can you speak on that a little bit? Like, is that something that you found yourself doing until you had that aha moment or what was it for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I live a really fast paced life as a media executive. I, I spent the last 25 years working for great publications like Vanity Fair and Glamour. I was publisher at Teen Vogue magazine. I was a Condé Nast traveler, Maxim magazine. I've had a great, great career. And I'm very blessed, you know, having that, but it's a very fast paced lifestyle with lots of travel, lots of decadent meals, big expense accounts. I mean, I was in magazine publishing in the late nineties and early two thousands when it was like really, really good before the internet and social media really crushed it. Mm-hmm. And I, I gave my entire life, my entire adult life to my career and put it first. I sacrificed a lot of family moments, a lot of moments with my 18-year-old son now. You know, looking back, I wish I hadn't given up. And I put, I put everybody, including my career, before my own mental health and well-being. And I let it all just get the best of me. And I think in order for me to get to this point where my fa- with my father's passing and have these realizations, I like to say that you know, in my father's passing, he actually gave me the gift of my own health and my own, you know, well-being and prioritizing that. And it set me on this new path where, you know, now I put my own mental health and well-being and mindfulness and meditation and exercise and the food I'm putting in my mouth. You know, I really, I really put those things first and I've been able to prioritize myself, which coincidentally, or however you want to look at it, it's, it's actually made me better in these other parts of my life too. I'm a better executive. I'm a better father. I'm a better partner to my girlfriend because I've gotten my own house in order, you know, first. That's it. amazing. And sidebar real fast is that how can we bring back the magazine days? Is there any salvaging it? People like want like the tactile or is, are we a lost cause? Because I love I magazines. Think it, I think it's gone. Magazines are great, but they're just living in other formats now. You know, I think, yeah. I think the days of ink on paper are going to be fewer and farther between, unfortunately. And I'm sad for that, you know, as a a bit of a Luddite, but. Absolutely. To me, I I have, it's like, I I think of, and I've even written my books, a lot of my books in Barnes and Noble, because it was such a formative years for me. I'd spend my high school career going to Barnes and Noble, getting the magazines and reading. So when I went back to write, I'm like, I'm going back there. And it was like a full circle moment for me. But I feel like bookstores, magazines, movie theaters, malls. Like there's something, I think the experience, you can't fully get it online. I, I don't know. 
I'm a big believer of putting things on paper and even just to kind of dovetail that with, you know, the program and everything like writing things down and just ink on paper, I, I think really matters. A, a CEO friend of mine years ago told me, write things down, it will happen. If you put things on paper, you, you're basically putting them into the universe that they mm -hmm. will happen. So whether it's my to-do list each day or week or my food log or manifesting, you know, being on your podcast, I said a year ago that I'm going to be on your podcast because I just <laughs> am going to be a super patient and everybody's going to just want me to come talk to you. And here we are today. So oh my gosh. I, I, I fully believe in, in putting that positivity out Amen. there because it does come back to you. Yes. Yeah. I love that you said that. Uh, it's, and I, I, I'm, when we ask the patients, I'm like, they may not want to share their story. This is private stuff, but I really, it does mean a lot to me and the team that you even wanted to share your story like this. I appreciate I, it. I wanted to also, because I think, look, I'm a 50 year old man and a lot of the media and the way that weight and functional medicine or just diet and exercise is covered in general is oftentimes geared toward women. And there's mm -hmm. a, even your own podcast, which I listen to religiously, you have a lot of female guests mm -hmm. and there's a lot of others in the space and even covering different you know, parts of the just the health and well-being sector. It does cater toward women. And I don't think a lot of men actually talk about it. So as I've gone through your program, I've been telling everybody, I've probably you know, sent you some patients that you might not realize and I tell um, all my guy friends, I'm like, get it together and there's hope and there's, you can do it and you just have to mm -hmm. follow the protocol and um, get on the bus because it's not too late to do it. And I feel like I've, you know, got another 50 years of my life ahead of me now. Amen. Hey, and this is a, like everyone that listens to the podcast, share this with the, share this episode with a guy in your life so they can see themselves in this conversation. You're right. All right, so let's talk about the protocol itself. And we've did, we do so many things based on labs and data, all that stuff, but what, I'm also curious in hindsight, what was the overall, was it the hardest? Was it easier? Was it harder or easier or just about what you thought it would be as you started leaning into everything? I think it was easier than I thought because I was in the right headspace to take it on. If I had to do this or if I, if I decided to do this years ago, I might not have been in the right frame of mind to take it seriously or to, or to do it. I've, I've tried everything out there. I've gone to Overeaters Anonymous. I had a lap band put in. I went to Weight Watchers and tried keto and Atkins, everything. I mean, I've yo-yoed my entire adult life. And with this, it was a couple things. I mean, it was the investment, you know, it costs money and it was, it was not insignificant. And mm -hmm. I moved some things around to make it happen and, and enlist in the concierge program, which was well worth it. It was the team who made it really easy. The, you know, Andrea and Brianna and Kelly and the Megans and Emily and the whole <laughs> gang is just awesome. And I felt really, really supported. And I think also eliminating alcohol, I, I kind of hone in on because alcohol and drinking and entertaining and all the you know stuff I did for work over the last 25, 30 years really was a big part of my lifestyle. I was drinking mm -hmm. way too much. And I don't know what necessarily classify somebody as an alcoholic, but I was probably like right there or certainly close to it. Mm -hmm. And just eliminating alcohol alone in the initial four-month protocol really made a massive difference. I mean, mm -hmm. all the poor judgment around eating and losing control over my diet was all out the window. And I felt that the weight, but also the clarity that I had after the first probably six or eight weeks was just, it was incredible. And that, that alone, I think really helped set me off on the right path for the rest of the year ahead and, you know, making sure that everything else clicked. That was a big step and something I was afraid of, but mm -hmm. Again, the investment, the team, the protocol, laying out a plan, having the data, all of that stuff put together, you know, really made it much easier than I thought it would be. Good. That's great to hear. And I, I think that you bringing up the alcohol bit, I think it's, it is an important 
personal conversation that we have with every single patient if they need it, right? And if it's part of their life on a consistent basis. And I find that certain jobs and roles and you know people, even their friend groups, it becomes so normalized and it's just so embedded in their day-to-day life that it's it's, it's normalized. It is that it's, there's nothing wrong with this. Everybody else is doing it, but it's, there's, did you realize it was a problem or not until you quit it that you noticed and saw oh, it I definitely, what it was? I definitely knew it was a problem. And the okay. pandemic really uh, exasperated the problem like it did for many of us. I mean, mm-hmm. my partner and I were going through a bottle of vodka a week probably and just mm-hmm. not even blinking. And I definitely knew it was a problem. I didn't necessarily know how to take control of the problem again, like getting into the program and really being motivated and feeling optimistic after my father's death, that I had to make some changes and it had to start with that, that that would be an important piece without which I wouldn't have been able to do the rest of Mm -hmm. the program or really be where I am today. Mm -hmm. You know, I woke up this morning, I was 202 pounds. I'm down 58 pounds. I I know exactly what causes uh, inflammation in my body now. And I feel like I'm I'm entirely a new man and I've I've got such a great outlook and optimism for just everything I'm taking on personally and professionally that I just can't tell you enough how grateful I am for for this past year and what I've learned. It's it's pretty awesome. I'm so proud of you. I mean this is like it's amazing and we're you're still like you you've achieved these amazing things but you the body's not even done healing. Like I see patients one two years in and they're continuing to improve in the positive direction. Do you feel like that's the case for you or you feel like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm at my goal hundred percent. Like what's, what's your thoughts there? I I have so much more to go and and I want to continue to grow and grow with you and the team. Next year, my goals are all about strength and flexibility. I want to get into yoga. I I'm definitely a little softer than I would like to be. So I want to get into some strength training, yoga, we continue to make meditation part of my practice. I do a lot of walking just in the woods. I'm very lucky to live in a, a great wooded area in Eastern Long Island where I just get out with my dog for two hour walks, you know, a couple times a week. And that's, that's a really great way to clear my head. Those are all things I want to continue to work on and continue to develop next year for sure. I, I hear sometimes, this isn't true for everybody, so I don't know if it's true for you or not, but it wasn't on their initial goal sheet. Like there are things that we're looking to optimize and correlating with labs. But it's something that as they didn't know it was even an issue until they didn't have it anymore. Or that what they thought was a five out of 10 as far as severity until they regained full function, they didn't realize how much they were just quote unquote coping or just getting by. And it was so relative because just because it was common, they normalized it. Was there anything like that for you? it's, It's so funny you say that. I was literally just talking about this with my girlfriend. Two things. I had this really weird cough. It was just like an annoying little cough that wasn't really loud or, you know, annoying to people. But for me, it was just always sort of there. And I also had nosebleeds as long as I can remember. And when I did the initial intake with Andrea and she's asking me all these questions and I was filling out all the forms, I didn't even mention those two things because it didn't even occur to me that those were abnormal things that I would should bring up on an intake with a functional medicine practitioner. And then many months later, I realized that I hadn't been coughing or getting any nosebleeds. And I said to, I think, either Brianna or Emily at the time that, oh, I haven't gotten, had a a nosebleed or been coughing. They said, we didn't even know that was a problem. I said, I didn't either, (laughs) but I don't have it anymore. That's amazing. (laughs) And I I really put the nosebleeds in particular down to dairy. So when I, when I reintroduced dairy after the, the initial protocol, I had some cheese and the next morning I woke up with a nosebleed and it was the Mm. first one that I'd had in four or five months. Mm. And I couldn't believe that it could be the dairy. So I had more cheese just to really test it. 
And then I had more and more, and I did it over a period of three or four weeks where I just probably over-tested reintroducing uh, dairy. And sure enough, every single time I had dairy, the next morning I woke up with a nosebleed. And on days when I didn't have dairy, I was fine. So Mm. I really have eliminated dairy, you know, probably 95% percent of out of my diet now. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point of bioindividuality here, right? I mean, for people listening, there's some people that do fine with dairy when we reintroduce it. There's some people that we keep dairy in from the beginning. So it's it's all down to case, context, health history, labs, clinical experience. So that's fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely I'd be curious to see I mean, if you want to test this like a sheep or goat cheese Mm. That that the protein is different, the more A2, beta A2, and plus the fermentation can be better on top of that versus like a cow cheese. Interesting. Yeah. If you want to. You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to test I have, it. It's again. interesting too. I also I don't get any nosebleeds if I have like a little bit of cream or milk and a coffee or something. It's really just with cheese, it seems. Mm. It's it's very odd. And I I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, my own my own focus group of one, but it it was no, pretty consistent. Being your own N of one experiment is really what reintroduction looks like in addition to labs. So, all right, before we go, I, I'd, I, every conversation that I have with patients, I want to highlight something they have going on in their life, whether it's be personal or professional to really highlight your work and your life. So you, this is your chance to, to share it with the, with the oh, community. Thanks. That's awesome. I'm really excited. I'm actually starting a new job. I'm CEO of North America for a company called Football Co. They're a Amazing. soccer media and entertainment company that's very well known worldwide, but they don't have a big US operation. So it's all soccer all the time. I'm a big fan of the sport. I played it growing up. And after seven years at a company called Bustle Digital Group, where I was president and chief revenue officer, I'm excited for a new a new career journey. And I feel in such a great mental and physical space right now that to be able to take on this challenge is something I probably wouldn't have been able to do had I not been through the last year with you and the team. So I feel I feel really well set up to enter 2024 in this new gig. I love it. Where do people go to learn more about your, your work with the company and the company as a whole? The flagship website is gold.com, G-O-A-L.com. And we've got big plans before the World Cup is here in 2026. It'll be in North America. So I've got the next two and a half years to really build this and, and grow it and hire a team. And I'm super excited about it. Wait, so the World Cup's going to be here in 2026? It's here in 2026. Wow. And God willing, the Women's World Cup could be here in 2027. They've got a really strong bid that they've submitted with Mexico. So we could have the, the, the Men's World Cup here in 26 and 27 could be the women's. And then in 28 is the Olympics. So it's a big three years coming up for North America. It's amazing. Has the World Cup ever been in the United States before? It has been. I want to say it was 94 or 98, something like that. It was back in the 90s. Got it. Got it. And I feel like, I don't know, I mean, you probably know the statistics being in this, but I feel like soccer, while it's so massive around the world, I feel like it's starting to have its moment to the next level in the United States. Big time. It is by far, by miles, the largest sport globally, but it hasn't quite caught on in the U.S. The MLS is doing really well, Major League Soccer. The women's game is incredible. The NWSL is the professional women's league. There is lots of upside and momentum and a lot of excitement for the sport. So our goal is just to, pun intended, capitalize on that and make this a a big thing in the next couple of years. I love it. And you're going to make it happen. Big time. Honored to be a part of your health journey, honestly, Jason. And anything you need from me, just let me know. Thanks, Dr. Cole. Happy New Year to you and the team. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. 
If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.